Welcome to the Ode to Joy podcast and our very special Grieve Outside the Box podcast series, where we are breaking down my book, Grieve Outside the Box, chapter by chapter and topic by topic. This week, we are talking all about rites and rituals. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Ode to Joy podcast. I am your host, Elena Box. I am a shamanic death doula, comedian, combination yoga teacher, if you are unfamiliar with me and my work. And on this podcast series, I've been taking you all through the chapters of my book, Grieve Outside the Box. And I came to this chapter, which is the rites and rituals chapter, and I thought it would be a really great time to check back in and do a solo episode with you all. I'm really enjoying connecting with all of you and receiving feedback on um, what's really resonating with you guys. And so for this one in particular, it's really um, quite close and near and dear to my heart lately, the topic of rites and rituals. And You know, the reason I included this as a chapter in the book is really because I feel that in today's society, so much of our life experiences are really brushed over or they're brushed under the rug. And I find also because we live in a very death phobic culture, um, a lot of people don't really know what to do when it comes to honoring and acknowledging the either passing of a person. But then this also really applies to many of our life experiences experiences. Um, And I was having some conversations recently with people and, you know, this really comes down to acknowledging the ending of something, which as we know, is also an opportunity for a rebirth in many ways. But um, I think, and oftentimes we're really robbed of the experience of honoring the passing of something, someone, um, And it could just be because maybe we don't have the tools or we weren't raised um, in a certain way that that taught us sort of like the framework of like, well, this is what you do when somebody passes and this is what you do when you move out of your childhood home and, um, you know, all of these different types of experiences. And so that's really also why I wrote the book was because I was coming up short with any sort of uh, ceremony when it came to honoring the passing of my father. And um, so this is where I really started doing my research in preparation for his passing. And I thought I would share a couple of tools that are practical if you are facing um, the passing of a loved one at some point in our lives. Um, we would be so lucky as to witness the passing of a, of a loved one. And so, you know, as I was going through all of this research, trying to figure out, well, how can I create a ritual around the passing of a loved one. And I was reading the book Shaman Healer Sage by Alberto Violdo. And this was sort of like my Bible (laughs) as I was going through um, the hospice space with my father. And um, I found it to be very useful, you know, because 
like I said, I wasn't raised with any sort of religion that would say, okay, well, when a person is passing, you know, you call in the priest and they do this sort of ritual, da 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 da. And also that that didn't really feel right um, in the situation with with him. But also, I encourage you um, to find what works for the person who is passing. You know, if they do have a very particular belief system, I think it's important, um, at least from in my belief, um, for it to really kind of look and feel like what. Uh, is right for them. Um, so if that does mean calling in the priest or calling in, you know, the shamanic healer or wh- whoever it is to to note and mark this time, uh, go for it. You know, it's I think it's important that it looks like what they expected it to look like. So surround them uh, with photos of perhaps any deities that they have uh, connected with in their lifetime. Um, you know, also photos of family and friends and add flowers to the space. But, you know, you really want it to um, be a sacred space. And so that's the whole name of the game behind rites and rituals is that this is also marking um, this. It's like a threshold, right? It's, it's when we think about honoring a time like this, which is this sort of liminal space, this, this space that we are walking through as witnesses, um, it's, it's sort of like putting a, a stamp in space time to say, we were here, this happened, and through this portal, through this gateway, through this threshold, we will be forever changed, you know, we are not, it's very much like echoing the hero's journey. So if you've listened to that episode, you know, if you haven't go back and check it out because it's really, um, sort of that, um, right of initiation where you will not be the same after this. And so I thought I would share quite briefly, uh, what I learned from Alberto Biodo that really helped me in the process of making my own sort of ritual in honoring the passing of my father. And so, um, this is, uh, I'm just going to share it with you because I feel like it, it will be useful if this is something that's going to happen in your lives. Um, but <laughs> if you're like, this is too much, I, I didn't know this is what I signed up for, you know, feel free, skip ahead. But um, I'll just let you know what I include in the book and you can feel free to get your copy of the book. Um, and it's very similar to what he teaches in his book. And so the idea is that um, after the person passes, you want to sort of, um, encourage the soul to get a complete disconnection from the body. So this traces itself back to many different lineages. Um, Oh goodness gracious. I think I might mess this up, but I'm thinking it might be in the Buddhist tradition. I'm not completely sure or in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition that they, they wait a certain period of time until the soul um, completely leaves the body. And there'll normally be a sign of, um, of, of when the soul has left the body. It's completely fascinating. Check it out on YouTube. There's some interesting videos, but, but I sort of do it as a, as a, as a abbreviated version because I know, you know, after a person passes, like, yes, you have time to really be with the body. That's also a misconception. You know, after a person passes, you don't have to, um, you know, call the coroner immediately. You don't have to, um, do much. Like there really is no rush. So you can take your time and do these practices. Um, so, so, uh, the way that I was taught, um, is to gently sort of push, 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 push this hole out of the body. If you feel that it's sort of stuck there and that can mean just pushing gently on the feet and kind of creating a little rocking motion. Um, 
And then you go through a process of uh, sort of unwinding the chakras or energy centers. Um, And I find this to be a really fascinating and beautiful process as a way to really honor that person. Uh, And so I start generally from the base, the sacral chakra, and you want to go in in a uh, sort of counterclockwise motion. So you can take your first two fingers and sort of dip them down so they're facing down towards that chakra. And as if you were unwinding a clock, you're just going to take circle, 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 circle. And as you're doing this, you know, you can be singing songs, you can be playing music, you can be crying and you just work your way up chakra by chakra. And I also find it to be really wonderful because it's a time when you can honor everything that that energy center represented, you know, so when you come to uh, their heart, you know, it's like, thank you so much for sharing your heart with me and their voice. Maybe they had a beautiful voice. Or I remember when I was doing this ritual on my grandmother who passed, it was really powerful when I was doing it over her womb, because as we know, um, we, our first lives as people really begin in the womb of our grandmothers, you know, because our mothers are held in the womb of our grandmothers. And so all of the eggs that are ever produced or, um, are first formed in the fetus of our mothers, which resides in the womb of our grandmothers. So I was like, thank you, my first home. You know, it's, it's really a beautiful way to honor um, every single part of this person. And it can really be like a, a family um, or community uh, practice as well. Um, you know, find what works for you. This is something that I have used multiple times on, 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 on many different people and it. And it's quite simple and quite beautiful. And so the idea is first you unwind all of the chakras and then you want to close them off because, you know, uh, whether you believe this or not, the idea is you don't want the soul to be going back into the body and being like, Hey, hang on a second. Like I want to get back into my vessel, you know, because the soul in my belief is sort of, um, I believe stays quite close to earth in the days after um, passing. And depending on your belief system, that can be anywhere from three days to 40 days. You know, um, it, it really, also, I think, also depends on the person. And then the other thing you can do after is to close off each chakra as well with a little bit of you know, essential oil. I really love frankincense and myrrh. You can also use holy water or Florida water. You know, you want to anoint them. This is, this is the last time, um, potentially that you would be uh, taking care of their body and touching their body. Um, so it's really a beautiful moment to really, I, I love it because it allows you to really sink your teeth, so to speak. Let's not take bites out of grandma, guys, but, you know, <laughs> sink your teeth into the moment of relishing in this human experience and how wonderful that we get to touch the bodies of our loved ones after they've left their bodies. And I know it's edgy stuff. Um, and the reason why I included it in the book is that I, I, I encourage people to um, really get in that space, get in that space as much as feels comfortable to you. If it means skipping all of that and maybe you just put a little, you know, dab of, of essential oil on their forehead and on their palms and maybe, maybe that's enough for you. Or you do an entire ritual bath, you know, um, that was the way I was taught in my, um, 
uh, death doula program was, you know, you're actually preparing the body for a home funeral. And so it is quite um, an in-depth process of actually bathing the body um, and preparing it to be uh, really preserved on dry ice for people who can do home funerals. But also, just so you know, guys, the laws vary from state to state. So if you're listening to this, uh, definitely check out the laws in your state and find a reputable um, death doula uh, team to help you with that because it is, it's, it's quite um, intense uh, what has to go into preparing a body for that, but it's beautiful, you know? So I included sort of my, um, I don't want to say reader's digest, but a sort of abbreviated version of that, which I feel can work um, in many different spaces, um, depending on where you are, if they're, if they're in a hospital or if they're at home with you in hospice, this is something that you can do. And, um, so that's something that I wanted to offer here in this episode for you guys is just like this abbreviated version of this uh, sort of death rites and rituals that you can include um, after a person has passed. And then the other thing that I wanted to touch upon is also um, the fact that oftentimes we don't have the opportunity to be with a person's body after they've passed. And this also goes into many different areas of how we can begin to navigate creating rites and rituals around life experiences that um, are perhaps, um, how do I say this, uh, medicalized, you know, like perhaps, perhaps the person passed, um, and you weren't able to be there and you weren't able to see the body. But then this also applies to situations, um, like, um, experiencing a miscarriage or having to make the choice to, um, release a pregnancy, um, or any, any sort of loss that is, I want to say like something that we keep behind closed closed doors, these sort of um, places that can bring up a lot of sadness. And and I think there's, uh, there's many, many complex emotions that go into all of that. And so this is where my shamanic practice really comes in handy um, because I think we can learn how to create rites and rituals around loss. And this doesn't necessarily always have to mean something having to do with the loss of a uh, person, Um, but it can also go into Um, you know, losing a job, losing a home, uh, losing a friendship, you know, all of these different things is, is basically, um, fine tuning where you can kind of get like witchy in your life and, and bring in the medicine that you carry specifically that you have in your own uh, medicinal toolkit. Um, but I wanted to speak specifically about using shamanic journeying to check in with souls, um, you know, after they've crossed over. So maybe you weren't able to be there. Um, but then this also applies, like I said, to the loss of children, which I know is extremely, extremely, um, delicate. And so proceed with caution. If this is something that, uh, is, is near and dear to your heart, just take good care of you as I speak about this. Um, so, you know, we've touched upon this in other episodes, which is, um, the topic of shamanic journeying. So for those of you who are unfamiliar Shamanic journeying really is a practice that spans many different lineages for thousands of years, which is really the use of rhythm to allow a person to go into a sort of um, 
hypnotic trance-like state. So the beat of the drum or a rattle really allows you to go into kind of like a meditative state where you are able to uh, really begin to journey through your mind's eye or your third eye. So uh, I find it super helpful to wear a blindfold or if you have like a little beanie, you can take the beanie and just like take it over your eyes. So you want to kind of be in a little bit of darkness. And so um, if you're familiar with a meditation practice, a lot of times in meditation, a teacher will say, you know, um, shift your gaze towards the third eye, which is the space in between your eyebrows at the center of your forehead. This is your third eye. And so um, even if you're completely new to this, there's absolutely no uh, prior experience necessary when it comes to journeying. Um, The main bit of advice I give to people when journeying uh, is to just say yes to whatever comes. So spirit speaks in symbols. And oftentimes we might not always understand what is coming through as it comes. It might make sense later on. Um, and so our job is to sort of get out of our own ways and really allow whatever comes through to come through. So if you're new to journeying, I do highly recommend you do sort of like a uh, shamanic journeying 101 course. I'm sure there's a lot on YouTube. I will be doing an episode on that at some point later, but it's really helpful to, before you do a a sort of more in-depth journey like this, where you're connecting to souls um, in the spirit world, it's helpful to have uh, a basic crew of spirit allies to uh, check in with. And there's many different types of allies that you can have. They might be um, animal allies or ancestors or guiding angels or, um, you know, ascended masters. It can really, (laughs) it can really come. It's it's sort of like, um, I imagine like in in Pokemon where they're like, I choose you, you know, (laughs) like you can just choose whoever um, you vibe with and and whoever their specific um, allies that you begin to build relationships with that would help you navigate a space like this. But also if you're completely new and you're like, I don't know, I kind of, kind of have an attachment to it. I like owls, you know, and you'd be like, all right, like call in owl medicine. Owl will help you, will help lead you um, to the learning that needs to come from this journey. Uh, yes, yes, my friends. <laughs> yeah, so it, it helps to have a way in um, and an ally that um, will begin to really guide you along the path. So so when it comes to connecting to a soul on the other side, I think the intention really is what is most important. So especially when it comes to rites and rituals, we, um, I will guess, I will, I will speak from my heart, um, is really that we want to know that the soul is, you know, that they're good, that they've, that they're on the other side, that they understand where they are, that they're, that they're able to transition into, um, sort of the next phase of their learning where, whatever that may be. And that might be also resting for a bit. Um, and so this can really look like many different things and it's really up to you and in your journey to, um, navigate that. Um, but I'd say specifically for a soul that has passed over and you're really seeking to understand that they are okay, that they've sort of made it to their spot. You want to ask, you know, okay, like, Hey, where are you? Show me where you are. And if they feel like they're stuck, if there's any sort of like unfinished business, if it feels as if there's, um, agitation or sadness or guilt or anything like that, shame, you know, you can work it through with them um, and have a conversation with them. And, and that's where really spirit comes in because, 
you know, most of the time it's, it's really not, how do I say this? It's sort of like not your job to do all the heavy lifting. It doesn't have to be you. That's where you have your allies that can come in and they will help do a sort of, um, right or ritual with that person, with that soul to help them find more ease, to help them, um, cross over. And then the other cool thing is sometimes you go in and the soul is like, what's up? Like, I am cool. Like I'm chilling. Like, and they have something that they want to teach you or a bit of medicine that they want to like a, a ritual that they want to impart onto you. Um, so it can really go in many, many different directions. And like I said, the, the entire, um, the juiciness of it is that it, it's, it's really your experience and it's going to be very, very specific to you and to this, um, soul that has, crossed over. So I know this uh, might be a little bit woo woo and wild for many of you guys to hear. Um, you know, and I offer this because it's the path and the tools that I have used. It's, it's what has made most sense to me and it is what has given me, um, a lot of comfort as I have been on my grief walker, uh, mission and, and, and walk and journey. And the, and the truth is like, we're never done. We're really never done because, you know, I spoke about this recently is that life is constantly breaking our hearts open. You know, every day you wake up, you read something new in the news, which, which, um, really allows us to tap back into these deep, deep places of grief. And we're constantly having to dip back into this pool, even if we aren't actively uh, mourning the passing of a loved one. It's like, (laughs) here's another one. Here's another one, guys. So, you know, we can use shamanic journeying to also um, heal the grief of a town, of a place, of a city, of a land. Um, And so you you don't have to necessarily be... um, I want to use the word pigeonhole, but that might just be because I'm thinking of animals, but you don't want to think as if like it only has to apply to speaking to a specific soul. Um, and it's really raw work as well, you know? Um, so go kindly into these types of journeys, my friends. And, and the other part of it is you want to practice impeccable self-care no matter what, when you do a journey like this, you want to make sure you have the time and space to integrate, um, get out your journals, maybe set up a nice Epsom salt bath, light your candles, like make it really nice for you. And then the other thing I wanted to say was when it comes to actual rites and rituals, when we go into the spirit world, we may be given instruction, um, by either that, um, soul, that spirit or our guides, uh, to do a certain ritual. And that can look like many different things. Um, what's coming to mind now is I'm thinking of, you know, um, leaving behind a childhood home. You know, when we think of these sort of really big life transitions where we're never going to set foot in that house again. And so, um, you know, there might be a certain thing, a sort of ritual that you will be guided to do or something that's also intuitive for you where um, you can go in and really honor that space, honor the experiences that you had there and perhaps leave behind an offering, a blessing. Um, And that can be really, really specific to you and to your experience. Uh, so some really cool stuff here, guys. Listen, I offer this because I think a lot of us, I'll I'll say myself included, of course, we can feel a little bit untethered at times. And especially when we have these sort of big life experiences that rock us, um, especially ones that we haven't navigated before we're create, we're craving, (laughs) creating a sort of tool, a toolkit, a, a guide to say, this is how you honor this experience. And, and that's really what I want to offer to you is, um, instead of being afraid 
of feeling and experiencing these huge life shifts and sort of uh, shying away and sweeping it under the rug um, is to the depth that is available to you, that feels comfortable to you, that is just on that edge of edginess, you know, like take a look, see what is there, what is there for you? What are you mourning? What are you grieving? What are you leaving behind? And how can you create a ritual around honoring that, you know, um, the very simple ritual could, could merely be lighting a candle or making a little fire in a fire pit in the backyard, you know, fire safety guys, um, writing down things that you are releasing onto little pieces of paper, um, and, and burning them, letting them go. It could be super, super, super simple. Um, and this is really what I think life is all about is, um, you know, if we don't take the time to honor these types of huge shifts, um, well, it's sort of like a, a missed opportunity. You know, it's just a missed opportunity to breathe into and be with the fullness and rich richness that life has to offer. Um, you know, because I don't know about you guys, but like I came down here to really, really experience that. And so when um, a, pe- a piece of struggle like this, like, like some kind of experience comes to me. That's like, Hey, this is going to knock you on your butt. (laughs) And you're going to be like, Whoa, you know, uh, that, and that of course it's terrifying. Of course it's like, wait, wait, this is here now. Do I have the courage to face this? Do I have the courage to like really look this, um, in the eye, so to speak and, and, and feel all of it. And, um, I hope for your sake, for you, that, that you have the courage to do it. Um, because I think there's so much, uh, so many morsels of wisdom that can come from that once we really face those scary places within ourselves. And, 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 and thank goodness, thank goodness, um, that we have these tools to rely upon, um, to come to when we are seeking support. And so my friends, if you are going through a huge life shift, the passing of a loved one, um, yeah, this, this whole world is, is here for you. And so if you do choose to do a shamanic journey, I highly recommend going on to uh, Spotify. There's some fantastic, um, if you just search shamanic journeying track, um, I would start out with like a 10 minute one or a 15 minute one. I also highly recommend you check out, there's a couple of albums by my teacher, Sandra Ingerman. Um, she has some really great shamanic journeying tracks that you can listen to. Some of them are sort of guided. There's like a little intro. Um, so if you're new to it, uh, I definitely recommend going and checking it out. All right, guys, that is most of what I wanted to cover today. And I'm really happy that I was able to sit down here with all of you and just reflect back to you that I'm a human too. I'm still doing this. I'm still doing the work. I'm still cracking my heart open and leaning into the discomfort, leaning into the grief, leaning into the sadness and allowing it all to be poured out so that I can experience more joy. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. You know, because when we do that, when we let it all pour out, you know, we're like on the living room floor in a little puddle, like Natalie and Brulia, you know, <laughs> I'm torn. After we do that, we can come back into greater joy. And it's just sort of a cycle. It's just a cycle of um, dancing in celebration, dancing in sorrow, and um, dancing with 
the experience of life. So I'm really happy to share this dance with all of you. And I hope today that you are able to give yourself exactly what it is you need, whatever that is. And I'm sending you all so much love and I'll talk to you all again very soon. Thank you so much for tuning into this latest episode, ladies and gentlemen. And if you haven't already, go ahead and get a copy of my book, Breathe Outside the Box, to have for your very own. You can go ahead over to Amazon.com and search for Grieve Outside the Box, and it'll be at your house in about two days. I look forward to hearing what you think. Sending you so much love.